You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, November 13th, Friday the 13th. Oh my gosh, I don't like that. My name, of course, everybody is Javier Reyes, your host of this here Lockdown Padres podcast. I'm a little bit nervous about the Friday the 13th thing. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno which is, of course, spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And feel free to hit me up on either of those accounts, guys, with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them right here on the show. And on this Friday the 13th pod, guess what? We're going to be doing just that. The other day, I asked everybody to send me some of their mailbag questions, and we are going to be answering them. Got a bunch of nice questions. Got a bunch of fun ones, a lot of free agency ones, and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to split it up into being first half of this. We're going to talk a little bit more about the questions that have to do with free agency, which, granted, is kind of the thing going and base going on and baseball and that's the biggest story with the exception of uh, I want to just touch on this a little bit at the beginning um, Kim NG I'm not sure how you say that last name um, was hired uh, to be the general manager of the F- Florida Marlins She's the first female uh, general manager in basically any professional sports in history, which is awesome. I will say it is awesome news. It's it's freaking rad, man. And I love seeing the Barlets change their picture on Twitter to a picture of her. It's so great. I really appreciate that. But I will say this, just a little bit of a note, not to be a downer, not to be that guy who's looking for something to complain about or anything like that. But from all, from by all accounts, from what I've seen, it's like she's over overqualified, like 30 years of baseball experience, has been a part of championship winning teams. So if anything, this was overdue. And it shows you that we still have some work to do instead of people having to be consistently overqualified, you know, people of color, women, uh, you know, for for it's it's one of the issues is that it seems like you always got to be an A plus to finally have your chance. And that's not necessarily the case with other demographics. So hopefully that improves. But still, not to put a damper on things, still such an awesome, awesome news uh, story to wake up to on this Friday 13th. It's kind of the opposite of Friday 13th, I guess you could say. Uh, now I think about it with that news. Um, and then the second half of questions, guys, are going to be a little, some of the little fun ones that I got uh, that I'm really looking forward to answering that are not as focused on free agency, but I am very much excited to answer them. So without further ado, guys, let's get right into it. Starting off with a question from Slam Diego Padres in LA on Twitter at Padres in LA. Who is a affordable under the radar free agent you would like to see the Padres land? And let me also add on another question from another listener because they have to do with each other somewhat. That's from Drew Lister at Uncle Drew at Uncle underscore Drew 97 on Twitter. What are you most looking forward to in free agency? The Padres being interested in expensive starting pitching or the inevitable question mark situation. Additionally, what are your top five targets for the Padres? I think these both have uh, go hand in hand, especially the top five thing, because a lot of the top five, uh, of mine anyway, at least not, not, not I'm not going to give like a particular like strict order, but a five group of guys that I'm kind of um, looking forward to seeing if the Padres can go after. It's kind of what I think their strategy is going to be. I think they're going to be aiming for kind of under the radar names, but to start off with some under the radar names like Slam Diego and Padres in LA, I just love that name. And shout out to you, sir. I love your picture of um, Alex Caruso, uh, the legend of the Lakers. I really feel like that picture a lot, but uh, here's, here's some of the names that I think. I'd say my number one, and I actually might include 
include this in my top five of Padres uh, acquisitions I'd like to see them make in free agency. I think the number one, like kind of more under the radar guy would be someone like Brad Miller. Brad Miller is like this super utility type of player who can play multiple positions, can play first base in the outfield. And there isn't necessarily a core place that you have to have him. But with someone like Eric Hosmer, who showed that he got a little bit hurt this year, maybe he's, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30. Maybe he's not going to be going in the right direction in terms of just being this stigil of health every year, as everybody's known, uh, or at least as... Uh, if, if you guys aren't aware, he's played, with the exception of this year, he basically played in every single game so far that he could have been in the Padres, and that's kind of why I was a little bit down on him heading into the season, considering he would, he would only hit 20 home runs despite the steroid ball era we live in, and he took 160 games for him to do that. Um, but I think that Brad Miller, good defensive player too, and a guy that you can just move around. You know, one of the things with the Padres, I'm going to get into this a little bit more in a second, is the depth in the outfield isn't really there, especially the depth in the infield. There's definitely some guys there that you could probably call up, especially when you look at prospects. But the outfield, not a lot of prospects there, and they especially after they traded Taylor Trammell to the Mariners in the Austin Nola trade. So I actually think Brad Miller is one of those low-key kind of names that I think could really be just a solid signing. Whenever you need him, you can plug in and play him, especially if you take into account, hey, the Padres were kind of a, a golden standard of health. Yes, I know that the pitchers, in terms of just the big names, like, yeah, obviously we had Clevenger and Lamette go down. But in terms of the offense, in terms of the outfield, when the outfield was a big question mark, for them to all stay pretty much healthy throughout the year, especially guys like Grisham, I just think, you know, it, it, you should be a little bit more aware of that. It's not like Will Myers has been a, a sigil of health uh, his whole career. So I would definitely look at someone like Brad Miller in that area. I also like guys like Jake Odorizzi. Jake Odorizzi, though, I kind of put in the bunch of a lot of other free agents. He's kind of in the same tier. There's like four other free agent starting pitchers that I feel the same about. It's probably Jake Odorizzi. Jose Quintana, James Paxton, Rick Porcello maybe you can throw in there. Rich Hill might be interesting if he's still capable. I mean, he had like a 3.0 ERA again. That guy's really good and he's super fun to watch actually when he's on the bat. So maybe he's like a little subtle kind of a target potentially for the Padres. But I'd say those guys, I, I really just think that the Padres aren't going to be looking for acquiring someone like Trevor Bauer. He, we, I promise you we will be talking about it in a second, but uh, that's another under-the-radar target. And then... Just some fun ones. Uh, Brett Gardner, he's one of my favorite players in baseball. If they want some outfield depth and they want someone who could play left, say Tommy Pham doesn't get healthy, and you really um, add another really def good defensive player there as well. But uh, I definitely don't think he's on the Padres' list of top priorities. I really think that Brad Miller is one of my guys that I just like. I like the idea of having a guy that you can plug into the lineup wherever and that you could plug into the infield or outfield wherever just in case something goes wrong or what have you and say that the Padres for some reason feel like in investing in someone like Jerkson Profar, I think that actually Brad Miller might be the other way, the better way to go. And then another starting pitcher, just the bottom uh, bargain bin type of guy, someone like Drew Smiley? I don't know, I've seen a couple good numbers on that guy, and maybe he's, you know, he's not too old, so maybe, you know, he can recapture that hype he had at one point in Tampa Bay. And, hey, we brought back Drew Pomeranz? Uh, maybe bring back Tyson Ross? I don't know, if they're thinking dirt cheap, maybe you go give a one-year... 500k deal or whatever it costs to get Tyson Ross, especially after these past few years just being injury stricken. Uh, but hey, you take a flyer on him, why not? Bring him back, it might work. Who knows? Um, and then as Drew said, 
Uh, he said, what are you most looking forward to in free agency? I think in general what I'm looking forward to most in free agency is definitely seeing where Trevor Bauer is going. Um, just because that guy is such a personality on top of it. And I know he's, he's, he's conflicting and polarizing in some circles for sure. But I think that just seeing where he goes, I would actually love if he went to the Yankees. I think it would be so weird if he went to the Yankees because the New York media would be all over. They'd be asking him questions all the time. And honestly, I honestly think he would kind of relish that. I think this is a smart dude in the sense that he knows that the future of this game is these players marketing themselves and whether it's doing dumb things like posting, not dumb things, but, you know, kind of little silly, seemingly arbitrary things like posting a picture he did the other day of him with the the free agent hats, like the hats on all of his, on all, blah, 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 blah. I can't speak today, uh, hats all across his arm for different ball clubs to kind of like, he's like marketing himself. So I actually think it's really smart from that perspective. And then another team that I think would be just from a almost, I'm going to compare this to the Oakland Raiders from a few years ago. And look, just, just stare with me. Where the Oakland Raiders brought in Antonio Brown to a team that already was a little bit dysfunctional. It has John Gruden. People weren't sure about him yet coming back. And just the potential chaos that could have been unleashed for that. I was super looking forward to. Granted, he, you know, Antonio Brown ended up leaving the team and getting released and getting traded for much more serious reasons than anything Trevor Bauer has done. So I'm just saying that was my pre thoughts before all those allegations against Antonio Brown came out. But I would just be rooting for the chaos. Tony Larusa, all the such a mixed ball club, and then Trevor Bauer on top of that. That team would be bonkers. Let me tell you. So that's what I'm looking forward to the most, and just from an entertainment factor, right? It's where Trevor Bauer ends up. And yeah, I don't really know if there's anything else. I mean, George. Springer, the guy, the top guys at the list are the guys I'm looking forward to. And then if there's any type of, you know, bombastic, crazy trades that happen out of nowhere, you know, AJ Prowler's capable of that. That's probably what I'm looking forward to the most. And then I would say if there was a top five free agency targets for the Padres, I'd say someone like Trevor Rosenthal in no particular order. Trevor Rosenthal, Michael Brantley, Taiwan Walker, Enrique Hernandez. I'm just kidding about that one. He's Puerto Rican, so I just wanted to mention uh, Enrique Hernandez. Uh, Jock Peterson, long shot. I Actually, no, take off Jock Peterson. Uh, and Trevor Bauer and then Nelson Cruz. Those would probably be like the top dream case scenarios. Nelson Cruz and Jock Peterson, if they were to sign guys like that um, because you could probably fit those guys into the DH type of areas Marcelo Zuna is another DH that would be great for the Padres but I don't know for sure and that's why they cut on Mitch Moreland they don't know for sure where um whether or not the National League is going to be re-implementing the DH. So that's where I'm feeling about that. So I don't know for sure. It depends. If they get a ruling that there is going to be a DH next year, which I think baseball would be stupid not to continue to keep the, the designated hitter position next year for the National League. Um, maybe they could uh, swing after those guys. Maybe give like that's why I'm I'm a little bit interested in Nelson Cruz because Padres are owing a lot of money to a lot of different guys right now with Hosmer, Machado, and Will Myers. Maybe they're thinking, you know what? Maybe if Nelson Cruz just because it'd be a one year deal that could actually be huge and actually add another really great bat to the lineup. So he's one of my top free agents. But you know, barring you know the DH continuing into next year, and Michael Brantley would be a dream one because he's just really good. That guy just hits line drives, doubles for days, man. So Michael Brantley would be a dream. And Trevor Bauer, I'm going to throw on there because I think it's... Everybody's excited. He's buddies with Clevenger, apparently, from what I've heard. And people would love to see him be acquired for the Padres and make an incredible rotation of Lamette, Clevenger, Bauer, Davies, Paddock, and then 
potentially, you know, you replace the back end of those guys with someone like Adrian Mohon or even more exciting, the prospects in Patino and Mackenzie Gore. That rotation could be flames. They could be in fuego uh, if they got Trevor Bauer. But I just think the cost is too much. Now, that actually transitions into my next question, which is from Bryce Paterik, who's been on this podcast before. Um, actually, uh, Drew was also on this podcast before, too. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, Bryce at Bryce Paterik. That's spelled B-R-I-C-E-P-A-T-E-R-I-K. Uh, question, I don't know why I just decided to spell out his whole name, but whatever. Uh, he said, how likely are the fathers to get Mr. Bauer? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> so, like I attested to before, I actually, I, if I could put a percentage at the Padres acquiring Trevor Bauer, I think it's like a 10, 15% chance. I don't think it's completely zero because I just think AJ Preller is, is a madman. And I think there's a good potential that, you know, maybe ownership decides, you know what, we were really good this past season and people were so excited. They're saying, Slam Diego in, in LA. And I just, <laughs> Slam Diego Padres in LA. Uh, you know, it, it became a thing. And I feel like people were really talking about this team more and the potential there. So maybe ownership is a little bit more interested in being like, you know what, screw it. Yeah, let's. Let's go for it. Steve Cohen, you're not the only guy going out for starting pitchers this season. But I just think that there's other teams that need this position more than the Padres do, especially when you consider that Lamette and Clevenger aren't expected to be seriously hurt. And I don't think the Padres want to block Luis Patino or Mackenzie Gore. So, you know, if it was a one-year deal, let's say I up it to maybe 25%. Actually, how about this? Let's say I give it a 10% chance and then a 20% chance around that range, depending on whether or not it's a, it's a multi-year deal. If you're talking a multi-year deal that's like two percent chance i do not think the pirates are doing that if it's a one-year deal and they're like hey let's kind of go for it this year slightly more chance but i still don't see it given the aforementioned reasons i just talked about and if we're being honest, I think that there's just, like I said, I think there's other teams that are going to be ready to spend. I think the Mets are a really interesting team. Uh, going back to what Drew asked about what I'm looking forward to the most, I think the Mets just seeing their, there's a potential spending spree just because of the whole Steve Cohen thing and him jumping into the circle and being like, we're going to win. I don't care about money, all this stuff. And they just brought back uh, Marcus Stroman. They got him. He accepted the qualifying offer. Maybe they're going to be like, screw it. We're going after Trevor Bauer and George Springer. Who knows? So keep an eye on the Mets. But I think them, a team like the Yankees. I just think that there are other big time spenders that are ready to give Bauer whatever it takes, uh, per se, to kind of bring this guy into the ball club. Uh, next question moving on. This one's from Jason Burke at by Jason B on Twitter. What moves do the Padres need to make to compete with the Dodgers? Who's on the trade block? Any non-tender candidates? So the moves that, that the Padres need to make is, I don't even think there's, and I've talked about this kind of ad nauseum at this point, but I don't think there's any glaring weaknesses with this team. I know that sounds crazy, but a lot of it just stems on the health of their starting pitchers like Lament and Clevenger and hopefully bounce back seasons from Chris Paddock and then eventually their top dogs coming up and Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino in order to compete on the pitching side of things. On the offensive side of things, you kind of have to hope that Hosmer and Myers this year were really legit and that they're going to keep it up, which I'm not 100% confident in, but I'm also not, you know, being over really cynical and pessimistic about it. But I'd say, honestly, one of the biggest things, and maybe, and I heard some people, uh, actually, Jajadero, who's on the podcast, they do the um, Make the Padres Great Again podcast, uh, and I was listening to them saying, like, one of the big things is, hey, maybe the Dodgers, now that they got that bucky uh, off their back, they won a World Series finally, maybe they're going to be less inclined to go on a spending spree. Because if they lost this World Series to Tampa, like they said, you know, Trevor Bauer is on the team, like, three weeks ago. You know what I mean? He would have been on the team immediately. Right after the World Series, that they're like, all right, we're signing Trevor Bauer. We're, we're going after this thing. Maybe they slow down a little bit. Maybe they're like, let's just develop our talent instead of spending too much more money, considering we just won the World Series. I could be wrong. Maybe 
they go out to get the server bar tomorrow, and that would be terrible. I think one of the things that has to happen for the Padres to compete is just hopefully the Dodgers do not perform another Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts like tier type of move. I'm not saying Trevor Bauer would be that type of move, but just signing George Springer, signing like some trades, getting another great player that maybe no one's talking about is on the trade block. They get Lindor for some reason, then they move him to second, whatever. You get what I'm saying. That is a big key in the Padres competing with the Dodgers next season. And in terms of like trade candidates, I'd say there's a bunch. I'd say Will Myers is actually probably a trade candidate. I just don't know what team would be interested in him just because of that salary and just because this was for the kind of the first real big season season that he stood out so he'd probably be part of a package deal for somebody maybe you would have to include somebody like Francisco Mejia who they don't really need anymore at this point because of um Austin Nolan what they gave up for him so they're clearly um hedging on him being their catcher for the foreseeable future at least for not foreseeable future but the immediate future and then Luis Campizano obviously being the whole barring you know anything uh, with his arrest and hopefully that handles and is handled better and he learns his lesson and all that stuff I'd say he'd be another reason for that Otherwise, other guys could be Joey Lucchese, just because he can eat innings. He was the innings leader not too long ago. David Bednar. Um, I would have said Cole Wilcox, but considering the Padres, like, he was a, apparently a top-level talent that would have gotten in the first round, if not for the fact that teams were unsure if they'd be able to sign him. And the Padres did go with all the effort in order to sign him. I actually think that they're not going to trade him, so... You know, Cole Wilcox, I would say off the board. But guys like that, if you could get rid of Craig Stabber, that'd be great. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen either. Um, but those are probably the main trade candidates for the Padres. I don't know. I don't really know. And you never know what happens with the Padres. You never know. I don't think anyone necessarily saw any kind of trades coming. Baseball trades are not as easy to foresee as they are in, say, the NBA. The NBA trades are telegraphed like a mile and a half earlier you know what I'm saying so I don't really see that um, but hopefully uh, the Padres can make any moves if necessary to just strengthen their team on kind of a small level and hopefully compete with the Dodgers but my biggest takeaway from all that been talking too much let's just say uh, yeah hopefully the Dodgers do not get better that I think is the biggest thing in hoping that they can catch up with them and now before we get into kind of the the funner the not funner questions but the the more fun slanted questions a little bit of the silly stuff uh let's talk about something that's also fun and also in its own way a little bit silly at least that's how i feel i get real silly when i have these things guys they're built bars and let me tell you guys let me let me let me tell you something about these built bars right there's 12 original flavors they got coconut almond raspberry german chocolate peanut butter banana bread mint brownie salted caramel double chocolate orange toffee almond coconut peanut butter brownie they got all those 12 flavors and and they've got six amazing new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, and carrot cake. Bars are super soft and easy to chew and covered in 100% chocolate. And even if those flavors don't necessarily sound ap- appealing to you, I get it. Trust me. I didn't even like mint brownie, and I s- tried their mint brownie flavor, and I really, really enjoyed it. So just let, just don't have any preconceived notions about them. They're really great. And on top of all of that, they are really healthy for you. They're great for the keto diet, thanks to high fiber, high protein, low sugar, and low amount of calories. So if this sounds interesting to you guys, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Remember that is promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. All right, everybody, let's hop off free agency for a little bit and get into the latter act of this mailbag, which are some questions a little bit less focused on free agency, a little bit more fun, and some other kind of things that you guys sent me my way. Uh, so let's let's just get right into it. And I feel like I've already been talking a long way. I did not expect to talk about the free agency stuff as much as I did, but what can I say? I always end up talking way more than I ever expect. But anyway, let's start with this question from David D on Twitter at DDRO Sports. 
Question is, if you had to pick a closer to keep, would you take Trevor Rosenthal or Kirby Yates? So I'm not going to lie. Look, there's plenty of statistics. There's all this stuff. But I'm just saying, man, I love Trevor Rosenthal. I've loved his personality. I've loved that he seems to be embracing everything with San Diego. Maybe it's just because he was super thrilled and happy to be out of the Royals. Not the Royals are a bad organization or anything like that. Very good, actually. They won a World Series not too long ago before us. You know, so I'm not going to lambast them at all. But I think he was excited to just be on a competing team because the Kansas City Royals are certainly not that right now you know shout out Ryland Styles of, of Lockdown Royals go listen to that pod guys he's great um so I would definitely on just that front I would love to have Trevor Rosenthal instead of him but I will say that just on some more metric things to provide some kind of backup on it the guy throws super hard sometimes even touching at uh, 100 miles an hour he's in the 99th percentile and and fastball velocity his k percentage is also in the 99th percentile as well as his whiff percentage or not in the 99th percentile but in 95th percentile basically everything don't get me wrong when you make contact with him and you look at some of those numbers if you're looking at stat cast his exit velo is only in the 14th percentile and his heart percentage is in the 25th percentile so when guys are able to hit him it definitely goes far he's definitely one of those guys that uh if people make contact it seems to be uh resulting in a hit in some way but that slider is just devastating and I love to watch it. And he's a little bit younger than Kirby Yates. So between those guys, that's who I would pick. Although no disrespect to Kirby Yates. He had some great years here. And honestly, I would not be upset, uh, overly upset if the Pirates decide, you know what, let's do something similar last year. Let's just double down and go into our bullpen a little bit and decide, you know what, let's invest in both of them. Why don't we? But I don't really see that if they do go with uh, Trevor Rosenthal. But yeah, that's who I'd prefer to keep. Uh, next question comes from... Daniel Wade uh, at Dan Talk Sports on Twitter. Uh, if you guys don't know, these last two guys I just mentioned, they're actually the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, my beloved Chargers uh, podcast. So go check them out for sure. And sh- thanks to them for sending in their questions. Uh, his question is How likely is it that the Piders will be able to get an extension done soon with the greatest player of all time, Fernando Tatis Jr.? Of course, you're right. You're absolutely right. He is the greatest player of all time. No lies there. No lies detected. So here's the thing. I think this question actually is, I, I technically, this probably should have been part of my free agency kind of uh, mailbag dump of the pod, but I'd say, I think a lot of this depends on if the Padres don't swing like crazy in this offseason and say, let's say hypothetically, that they only get someone like Brad Miller, like I mentioned, or they only get one of those, you know, random crop of starting pitches, they get a Juice Smiley, or they get a... Jake Odorizzi or what have you, a Tyson Ross, whatever the heck, right? Maybe they buy low on some of those guys. Maybe they give, I forgot to mention Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber's another guy that I wouldn't mind on a one-year deal, just as a lottery pick and a guy who's had a lot of potential before for a team that, you know what, screw it. I should have mentioned this before. Uh, I think Corey Kluber's on the fringe of my top five free agency targets because this is a team that's not dying for starting pitching, unlike someone like the Rangers were, and the Rangers really needed that to be the strength of their team. I don't think this team is dying for starting pitching. So taking a, just a, a flyer on hoping that Corey Kluber's got something left in the tank, definitely not something that I would begrudge the Pirates doing. I should have said that before. Um, what can I say? At least I'm doing it now. But anyway, back to uh, Daniel Wade's question. Um, I think that if the Padres... because you know, they still have club control for a while, you know, until like 2025, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know if there's as much a rush. I understand that the longer you wait, the more you're going to end up having to pay Tatis. I think that I've, I think I've come to peace in the sense that if the Padres do resign Tatis and that's their major move this offseason, great. Nobody's going to be upset about that. 
you know, you lock him in, that's great. On the other hand, if you don't, there are some, believe it or not, there are some cons to it. The the one main con is, as much as I love him and as much as I think that this guy, along with someone like, say, Juan Soto and, you know, any number of some of the other young studs in the game that I can't think of right now, I think Tatis does have the potential, along with those guys, to be, like, the best player in the league soon. As soon as Trout, as, and by as soon as, who knows if it even is possible, as soon as he starts to, you know, filter off, as soon as he starts to decline, maybe, you know, ends up being Tatis being the best guy in the league. Who knows? I would say, though, in fairness, he's only basically played the equivalent of one season. You look back at his first season, he did get injured a whole lot. This year, he did not, and I thought that we got a little bit lucky in that respect, considering how, you know, hard he plays every day, how hard he runs to first base, how hard he throws the ball uh, to first base when fielding. You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit surprising that he was able to basically play in every game this year. Or I shouldn't say a little bit surprising, but it was definitely a... Uh, Lucky in some ways, and, you know, if you put that all together, it's not like he's totally played a full season of of MLB baseball, so that would be kind of remarkably short of a time period for them to extend Tati, so that's how I'm looking at it. I'm looking at that the Padres are like, we would love to extend you, but we're not totally sure if we want to spend that money elsewhere, and maybe maybe they might not even be looking at this offseason, but maybe next offseason. Whoever the heck the big free agents are heading into next year, maybe they're going to want to swing on those guys to help develop a team that's more well-rounded instead of just buying in on Tatis. And it's not like, you know, ownership, they might be thinking right now, hey, you know, I know he looked good for us this year, but Eric Hosmer has been a miss, and I know he looked good this year, but Will Myers has been a miss. So maybe ownership is not going to be too wild about extending Tatis and then going out to get some top free agents. So I would say it's a little bit less likely right now, although I would not, and I, like I said, I've come to peace with the idea that either direction that they go, I'd be thrilled with. Let me let me just be clear. Either way, I'd be thrilled. If they're saying, no, we want to wait a little bit, give it another year or so, and yes, we'll pay the money, but we want to give it some time that way we can get some better free agents. Or if they're like, screw it, this is our guy, welcome to San Diego, Fredo Tatis, you are the best player, uh, next to Tony Gwynn that we'll ever have. Maybe it'll even be better, who knows, you can't rule out anything, right? That's how that's how high of an upside Tatis has, so I'm putting it as an unlikely for this offseason, although I'd like to see what happens. Next question comes from Millard Shane Thomas on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24, why couldn't the Padres do America a favor and take down the Dodgers? <laughs> Uh, shout out to Billy host the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Look, it's I I feel like I've said this a bunch of times, but the Dodgers are good, man, and that's a team that is built to hit around any team. They've got a great offense, even with someone like Cody Bellinger and Max Muncie. You know, struggling this year in the regular season, they don't really have great seasons. You know, Cody Bellinger ends up having like the best play, arguably, of the entire. Uh, uh, playoff postseason with the catch to Rob Tatis of his home run. And then you have guys like Will Smith, who's super young, stepping up big for that team and delivering huge hits. And then they've got Mookie Betts. It's just, it's such a stacked team. It's such a well-rounded team. And on top of that, just good pitching and good good bullpen. They're not totally reliant on Kenley Jansen. So they're just a better team. What can I say? And the number two thing is, hey, look, congratulations, LA. Uh, How many teams do you know that lose their top two aces a week before the playoffs start. I've said this like 50 times. No one's answered me on this. No one's told me how many times you could remember this happening. Okay, yeah, you look at teams like the Yankees. Okay, but they knew that Luis Severino heading into the year was not going to be available for them. They At some point, James Paxson gets hurt, right? 
and it's not like he was doing that well anyway. No, I can't think of teams where right before the postseason starts, they lose their top two aces. It's actually kind of miraculous that they made it by the Cardinals, as we all saw. That that series was close as heck, too. So that's really why they couldn't take them down, Miller. Thank you for bringing up my uh, our, our failure and our sorrowness, mister. I, I wonder if he's trying to talk some smack, because if he is, I'll have some words with you, Miller, after, after I'm done recording. I'll be having some words with you. But yeah, I just think it was it was a tough matchup. And at some point, the Dodgers just had to win. At some point, they had to win. At some point, that depth has to give way. The Kershaw fears have to succeed in some way. They just have to exit at some point. He has to pitch well, right? So at some point, it was going to happen, although I was a little bit upset that they couldn't at least take one game from them. But hey, here we are, and at least we made the postseason for the first time since 2006 and are the best team since like 1998, so I'm not too stressed out about it. And then the last question, a very fun question, comes from Andres Rivera at Andy underscore six two five three save the best question for last how is one piece going with the laughing emoji not a padres question but how are you dealing with the heartbreak week after week when the charges lose herbert is the man <laughs> so part uh let me answer part for the first part of your question i've been tweeting a whole lot about one piece i don't know if you guys follow me uh one piece is going splendidly Think, I'm not going to spoil anything. I doubt I'd be very dubious of anybody who listens to this podcast being as big a One Piece fan as I am right now. But if you are, you know, just mini spoiler in the sense that things have gotten very sad lately. Um, I'm on episode 516 and, uh, you know, things have happened and I got really, really sad at some certain things. The show started off being about kids and adventure and find treasure. Now it's like, oh, my God, the world is so much deeper than we think it is. And that's why I like it so much. That's kind of like an allegory for life. We we all think it's about just following very simple things when we're growing up, and then we realize what's really going on in the nefarious forces behind uh, the world at large. Um, but I'm loving it. I'm loving every every second of it. It's helped me reconnect with some friends of mine, too, which has been awesome. Uh, so I've loved the show. Everybody, I can't recommend One Piece to anybody because it is so long. They're at 900 episodes, 926, I think, to be exact right now, and they're still not done. So I can't recommend the show on that level. But if you are crazy enough as me, I and DM me, talk to me about it. I, I'd love to talk to people about One Piece. It's such a special show, and it's really just making my day right now. I've also been watching The Marvelous Miss Maisel lately, season one. Freaking rad show. But anyway, in the second part of your question, not a Padres question, but how am I dealing with the heartbreak of the Chargers? Um, honestly, it's heartbreaking that they're that Justin Herbert has numbers that are equivalent to how Patrick Mahomes first entered the league, yet the Padres have only won one game while the Chiefs won all of their games. Remember that first year back in 2018? Uh, so that is really disheartening. I'm a little bit upset with Anthony Lynn. I still like the guy. I still think he's a good coach. I still think that that team at least fights every week, or at least that's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like they've had a week where you can tell the players quit on their team. So that's at least how I feel about them. Um, but, you know, it's heartbreaking, but I'm just so used to it that I've kind of become numb to it. I know that's the cliche thing for any heartbroken fan to say, but my other thing is, look, it's not like we were expecting the team to be super competitive this year, and our quarterback looks like a stud, you know, and, and not a lot of people thought that. You know, a lot of people thought Justin Herbert was, there was so many very real red flags with him, the open receivers and the college tape, Oregon quarterback. We know how that happened with Marcus Mariota, the last Oregon quarterback that got drafted. So a lot of red flags, and for him to turn out and just look awesome, one of the best passers under pressure this year. Sorry to turn this into like a mini Locked On Chargers rant almost. You guys should go check out Daniel Wade uh, and their podcast, Locked On Chargers, for that. But, you know, it's 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 been tough, but it's, I, I honestly, it's been, there have been worse times to be a Chargers fan, for sure. There's been more heartbreak uh, streaks, I'd say, you know, than uh, what's going on with them right now, because at least Herbert's good. And if Herbert's good, then there's hope, because that's how the NFL works when you have a good quarterback. 
And that's it, everybody. This chunky boy pod of mailbag questions officially with that uh, comes to an end. Uh, ended it on a nice note there, hopefully. A very wholesome note talking about my beloved One Piece and friendship and how much I love that show so much. It's so great. And uh, my beloved Justin Herbert, my husband. Justin Herbert, of course, uh, who I've named myself personally. My display name on Twitter is currently named after him. But uh, with that all said, this Chunky Boy pod is at an end, guys. I really appreciate you guys sending in all these questions. Definitely will look to do this more uh, as the coming months come in and you know more free agency announcements are made and more trades potentially happen or whatever. Uh, definitely would love to talk more about that stuff uh, for sure. So continue to send me questions and your thoughts on the podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. And with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Wherever. Just type it in your search bar and you'll find it. Uh, follow the show or myself on Twitter at LO underscore Padres or at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And also, if you feel inclined, hit me up on there. And of course, uh, send me some five-star reviews on iTunes. I'd really appreciate that. would be very nice. And until next time, Stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.